0: You are listening to The Next Best Picture Podcast, and this is our review of The Aeronauts.
1: To understand the weather is to prepare our world for floods, droughts, famines. I ask for funding for my own expedition into the skies. You've been assigned a responsibility to change the world. You have to meet it. Find another madman to get in a balloon with. Or perhaps that woman. Are you Miss Wren? I need to make studies of the air. I need you to fly us higher than anyone has ever been. You even have a balloon? Not yet. Will you help me? You're incredibly late. Are you ready?
2: You have no conception of how ready I am. Today, history
0: will be made.
1: This pressure Uh, is changing fast.
0: And so it begins.
3: Have you even been in a balloon? Do you have experience of lack of oxygen to the brain?
0: What have we to lose? Our lives. This could be more important than our lives.
1: Have you noticed it's completely silent?
3: Ah! We are now higher than anyone has ever been. Still no sign of them.
2: The gas release valve is frozen. (laughs) Stay
0: alive, Stay alive. All right, everyone. You were just listening to the trailer for *The Aeronauts*, and the story is as follows: In 1862, headstrong scientist James Glacier and a wealthy young woman, Amelia Wren. Mount a balloon expedition to fly higher than anyone in history. As their perilous ascent reduces their chances of survival, the unlikely duo soon discover things about themselves and each other that help both of them find their place in the world. The film is starring Felicity Jones, Eddie Redmayne, Phoebe Fox, Himish Patel, Vincent Perez, Anne Reed, Tom Courtenay, Tim McKearney, and Rebecca Front. It is directed by Tom Harper and written by Jack Dorn. Join me for this podcast review. I have Josh Parham. Hello, hello. And Dan Baer. Women don't
3: belong in balloons.
0: Oh, my God. That line in the trailer, I feel like I heard <laughs> that repeated more than any line this year. Um, I think it was Cody. Cody was, like, yes. the first person to, like, point it out. Women don't belong in balloons. And he's just like, ugh. Okay. (laughs) It's just the most ridiculous line. (laughs) It really is. It it goes a little too far. I I remember the trailer for this movie uh, premiered, I think, a day before or the day of Telluride, where it was set to have its world premiere. And uh, I remember getting glimpses of like, oh, well, this looks beautiful and thrilling and a really really fun big screen adventure. But what's up with some of the dialogue? (laughs) You know. Uh, and sure enough, you know, watching The Aeronauts, I, I, I do have I do have a bit of a mixture of opinion on it, uh, ultimately. And it's still something that, on a second viewing, has uh, not changed for me. Um, I'm wondering how you guys also felt about it. Maybe you'll get me to sway one way or another. We'll see. So uh, let's hear first from Josh. Josh, what do you ultimately think of The Aeronauts?
1: Well, I think I'm right there with you, Matt, in terms of a mixed opinion on this movie. There are elements to it that I do kind of enjoy and really wanted to even like more. I'm somebody that really does like this whole kind of aesthetic of the time period that this movie takes place in, that like mid to late uh, 19th century English setting. I I do kind of like that, especially if you can... Not that this is science fiction, but it sort of feels a little bit like it, almost like a Jules Verne type story. I'm usually really into that, but I think the ultimate problem with this movie is Despite some really good set pieces, the script, as we've already mentioned, is really, really lacking. The characters are not that interesting. The whole plight that they're going through, I never really found that compelling. I think that Felicity Jones does most of the heavy lifting. I think she's actually pretty good in the movie, but the rest of the things that are around her are just so boring and uninteresting. And I think that's the ultimate problem with the film.
0: Yeah, um, I can kind of understand what you mean by that, and I feel that exact same way as well. I do feel like Eddie Redmayne in this is a bit more bland as a character, yeah, and also on the performance level as well, because he doesn't get uh, some of the opportunities that Felicity Jones uh, receives in this to really stand out and carry uh, the weight of this movie, as it were, especially as we get to the uh, the third act. Um, Dan, what about yourself,
3: though? What do you think? So, I am <laughs> I grew up and as a kid, and I had pictures of hot air balloons in my room. Like, they have always fascinated me, and I was really looking forward to this movie because I had read the book that, that inspired this story falling upwards. And it's fascinating. And I feel like a lot of people really don't know the history of these hot air balloon expeditions that people were taking. And, you know, people see it now as sort of like a fun thing that you maybe do or, you know, it's an interesting way to do a date or something now, and it's sort of very quaint. But, you know, way back when, it was a very, very different thing. And it was... It was used for science and, you know, to discover things about the world. And so I was really looking forward to this. And especially when they announced that Felicity Jones and Eddie Redmayne, who I really loved in the theory of everything together, uh, would be taking the leads. And then I saw it. (laughs) (laughs) And then the problem started. Oh, boy. I... uh, it, there, Like you said, Josh, there are so many things about this movie that I liked, individual pieces that are so strong, but I just don't think it comes together as a whole. It's it's one of those cases where the whole is, it's not equal to the sum of its parts in mm-hmm. many ways. And I think it does start with that script. I, The structure of it, the flashback structure, I get what they're trying to do, but... And I appreciate anything that tries to do different interesting things with structure and flashback and all that. But I feel like this story in particular, anything that's sort of survival, where you really have to be invested in the characters in order to get through it, um, it needed, it would have benefited from a more linear structure.
1: Totally agree with that. The the flashbacks did kind of drive me crazy a little bit because as oh, soon as
0: right from the very beginning. There's like flashes of editing of the on-screen danger that is to come, and I'm just like, how is this movie edited oh. right like, now?
3: You mean the very, very beginning, like the first couple seconds of the movie?
0: Yeah, like I, yeah. I, I just right right from the very beginning with that, and then the uh odd narrative uh structure with the flashbacks uh woven in. It just like, and Josh, I'm sorry to cut you off with this, but this was like, this just drove me crazy <laughs> while watching the movie. Oh, no. Um, I thought it was thrilling and everything that takes place inside the basket. I think that's where the meat and potatoes of the story is. Uh, I I genuinely feel very, very strongly that the movie would have been better overall if it was told in a linear fashion.
3: Yeah, I mean it's it's because once we we're already with them in the balloon in the basket before we know anything about them and they're fighting for their lives almost right from the very start and while that is shot and edited and scored very thrillingly we're not invested in these characters at all. <laughs> no, and I think especially the Eddie Redmayne character
1: like, yeah. I think that Felicity Jones, they give her kind of a more emotional backstory that sort of works for the movie. It's kind of generic, but I think that her talents as a performer help to get you somewhat invested in her backstory. With Eddie Redmayne, I just felt completely lost as to why we should care at all about what he's doing. And I think a lot of that is how it's written, a lot of that is his performance, but. I feel like that's a very big driving force of what should be in this movie that is severely lacking in getting me interested in what these characters are actually
3: wanting out of this journey. Yeah, and that's the, my second biggest problem with the movie is that is so because so much of it is predicated on for science. Yeah, but they don't really explain what he's looking for and what implications the data he gets is going to have yeah there, there's no connection to a larger and I for you know, like I I read the the book that it's based on so I have some sort of base knowledge about these expeditions but I'm for people who haven't or who don't know anything about meteorology or this period in history I worry that they're just going to be so confused
1: <laughs> uh, yeah because like the movie offers this idea that, like you said, yeah, it's for science and they want to collect this data to predict the weather that could save lives and all that. But there's really no context about why this is so important other than just a theoretical one. And the movie doesn't do a good job of, of establishing the real stakes to what they're doing. It kind of does it for Felicity Jones's character, which yeah. is why I think that side of the story pulls you in a little bit more. But Yeah, when it comes to Eddie Redmayne, like his whole motivation just seems so opaque to me that it's hard to get really invested in what he's looking for.
0: The other thing too is that like, because if you can't establish an emotional connection to that, you're forced to establish an emotional connection to uh, Felicity Jones as a character and what her backstory is and her motivations for wanting to get up into the balloon. And I, once again, I think that the, Way that the story is told um, with the structure, I think it hinders all of that. You know, there, there are I, there are some issues I have with this movie, and each one kind of informs the other. Um, and then the first thing is that the movie has an extremely quick, rapid pace. Yeah. Um, for such a big screen, epic, thrilling adventure-like movie, um, this movie clocks in it under two hours long. And because of its narrative uh, structure, you know, we're getting the first thrilling, like, action sequence 10 minutes into the movie without any build up, without any establishment as to who these characters are, why we should care about them, right? It's just spectacle for the sake of spectacle. And in
3: fact – and that was one of the things that really, really upset me was that it opens and uh, Amelia is <laughs> – practically a
0: clown. I don't understand tonally. (laughs) I I really, I was so
3: perplexed by that scene. I really was five, 10 minutes or so when they're taking off in the balloon are so tonally dissonant to everything else in the movie. And there is a reason for that. You know, they had to raise money to do this and she's putting on a show for the people so that they can, you know, they can applaud and like, feel like they're doing something and they're part of something. And they had to do this for, like, it's basically the 1800s version of publicity, but it's not well explained. She looks ridiculous. And, then like, two minutes later, we're into their fighting for their lives.
0: Yeah, it moves way too fast. Did they
1: mention something like that the people there pay to see the balloon lift off? Did they say something about that?
3: Yes, they did. But it's it's one of those lines that comes and goes and like, it's a show. You know,
0: it's definitely a show that they're putting on for sure.
3: I'll agree with you
1: that it doesn't really fit tonally with the rest of the film. But I, I will admit that I think maybe just because her performance of selling that showmanship was so kind of endearing to me, I actually didn't mind the way that it started. And I guess maybe because, in my mind, I was using at least my own logic of, well, I guess they're, yeah, they're putting on a show for, like investors, essentially. I, I could roll with it in that regard. I, I can understand why it was a problem for for you, but it didn't really bother me quite as much.
3: I, I will she is totally endearing. I think Felicity Jones is great in this movie, yeah, she is, but it just it because it's that scene in particular, Moves so fast mm-hmm. and is essentially a comedy, and then we are right into there's a giant storm and they're fighting for their lives. It it, it was a little bit uh, too whiplashy for me. Yeah, yeah. And sense. then
0: the other thing that's also a problem too in terms of the film's uh, runtime is that because there isn't enough time uh, to tell the story, in my opinion. You then get these very, very heavily uh, emphasized forced dramatic scenes of dialogue in these flashbacks where the character development, the motivations and everything else don't have time to breathe like they're not padded out well enough. And so, you know, when we were talking about before, you know, women don't belong in balloons, uh, you know, you end up getting lines like that that have to boil down the themes of the movie and the motivations and everything else down to the barest simplicity And it just comes off as just extremely heavy-handed to me, and I kept rolling my eyes at so many lines of dialogue, you know? Um, I I, I don't know, like, lines like, uh, doubt is there to be listened to, or, um, you know, like, I don't remember how this one goes, but, like, you know, how they don't want to be on the ground, and the happiest that they are is when they're up in the air and things like that, and I'm just like... I don't know. To, to me, I felt like there was more to explore here psychologically with these characters' mindsets and what their true ambitions were and what they wanted to do without dumbing it down for, uh, I don't want to say a mainstream audience, but maybe the lowest common denominator, probably, I would say.
3: Absolutely. And again, like if you take all of those scenes and put them at the front of the movie in a linear fashion, maybe add a couple more scenes to, you know, establish these characters' relationship and really delve into why they're doing this and what their relationship is probably going to be like when they're in very close quarters and in a high stress situation and make that the first like third to half of the movie and then have the balloon everything in the balloon be the back half this movie is so much better
2: our bodies come in different shapes and sizes so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too
1: to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com/listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show.
0: Yeah, there's a nice trajectory of character growth, uh, the journey, there's a building of stakes as it were. Yep. I completely agree with you, Dan. I think if this movie was re-edited and told in a linear fashion, I think it would have been a much, much stronger movie, 100%. Well,
3: and it's I so also... interesting because I, I, when I saw this last night, um, uh, the director and the producer, one of the producers were there to do a Q&A after, and Tom Harper, the director, was like, yeah, you know, the this flashback structure was always in place, but they were more spaced out throughout the movie originally and we got to a point when we were making the movie, then where, at the point where she has to climb up the balloon uh, towards the end, which is, I for my money, one of the most thrilling suspenseful sequences of in any movie this year. Um, when he's like, when we got to there, we realized we can't be cutting away from this because you, you don't want to, you're so invested in the characters by this point that we don't want to have any more flashbacks. And I'm just, and I'm just like, can, you You just needed to take that a little bit further. Yeah. Because I don't want it interrupting anything that happens in the balloon because it's everything that happens in the balloon is so good.
1: Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, I almost wish this movie could have tried to set, almost all of it in the balloon and be almost Oh,
0: that would have been interesting.
1: Well, because then that would have reminded me a bit like lifeboat. That was the movie that I was actually thinking about a lot while watching this film. And because I think that there is a way to sell most of this backstory through either like, you know, kind of just implied dialogue between them, which would have helped to give you more of a sense of the connection between the two of them. And I think it would have been an interesting, way to watch this movie where we're just stuck in this one location, especially when those are the best parts of the movie, too. And like you said, every time it cuts away from it, we lose all that momentum that I think would have really helped to sustain itself had we just stayed in the balloon with those characters and with those sequences.
0: And when we are in the balloon, that's where the movie really does, you know, for lack of a better word, soar. Because that's where the technical prowess of Tom Harper and all of his various departments really, really come together here. On a technical level, this film is really, really, really well done. Agreed. From its cinematography to its costume design, the visual effects, the sound work, the score by Stephen Price. All these elements, when they're in that damn balloon, (laughs) they all come together to create something that I... I don't understand why Amazon Studios is not pushing this as an IMAX movie. I really don't. I,
3: yeah. They, uh, God,
0: yeah. So it is baffling to me. It's spectacular. <laughs> because there are some sequences in this that are downright breathtakingly thrilling. I know that there were comparisons made. Um, I remember even at Telluride before it screened that there were um, moments that would remind us of gravity while watching it. If you have like an intense fear of heights and you're watching this on the big screen, <laughs> Gravity or um, what was the Robert Zemeckis movie uh, with Joseph Gordon Lovett? Uh, the Walk. Yeah, The Walk. You know, th- th- there are just some moments in this in terms of height and scale and everything else where you're just like, <gasps> you know, <laughs> like, oh, yeah. it's just like so intense and so scary to watch. Yeah, you're just holding your breath. Uh hoping that nothing happens and like i said it's it's everything it's the visuals it's the sound work um you know especially in moments of tension the lack of score uh to highlight you know some of those really really intense moments it's just really really incredibly well done
1: yeah i'm so disappointed that this wasn't an imax and even watching it on you know a fairly big screen i did go to the movies to see this you could even still feel that this would work so much better if you had that 60-foot screen in front of you, and it just diminishes so much, but it, it still is to credit to the filmmakers that they were able to still make something that felt quite as thrilling, and I agree, all of that, those technical elements that come together are really, really well done, and they are
3: the clear highlights of the film. Another fun uh, anecdote that I learned at the Q and a with the director was that, um, (laughs) apparently the DP, it was Mm -hmm. scared of heights. Oh, geez. (laughs) Actually shot everything, you know, in the balloon. Like a lot of that is practical. Like they actually flew in the balloon, Eddie and Felicity, and they did all that. Um, they actually went up. So it's really kind of fun to think of them like up there doing all this and just not being able to control them.
0: <laughs> I think the moment in the movie for me is when they get near the top. Uh, and, and when I say near the top, I mean like really that the height uh, yeah. that they get to where the temperature becomes uh, freezing. Because then that's where the set dressing changes, that's where the makeup Uh, effects uh, start to apply to the characters you really 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 do get the feeling of a sense of cold while watching it some movies are not able to I think accurately like reflect what true cold really really looks like on screen I think the Revenant does it well Uh, Titanic does it pretty well Um, but this movie I thought also did it well where I watched it and I've started to like feel cold even though i wasn't
3: <laughs> while watching it another fun anecdote that's because they were actually freezing them oh geez they they shot that in the studio and it was in freezing conditions
0: oh my like
3: that all the redness of their face and everything that's not makeup work oh wow yeah
0: well that's horrifying to think of
3: <laughs> especially for
1: the aeronauts <laughs> Okay. All right.
0: But then also, too, that's where you get some of the uh, really, really great stunt work as well. Uh, There are like, you know, there's a moment where Felicity Jones has to climb out of the basket to the top of the balloon to fix a problem. And (sighs) I just I mean, like, that's like one of my favorite scenes in a movie I think I've seen this year easily. Yeah. In terms of its execution.
3: So it reminded me of the Burj Khalifa sequence in Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol uh, Mm. in how like it just made me curl up in the back of my seat and be like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. No, 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 no. The whole time.
1: (laughs) So much anxiety in that moment. And I would definitely agree. It's probably the best scene in the film. It's the one that really uses all of the technical elements and Even like her physical performance just combines in a really interesting way. And you are completely invested in the movie at that point. And I I agree with you. I was like curled up, just filled with so much anxiety in that moment. And it's really, really well done.
0: So, you know, it's interesting because we have these issues with the movie and then we have these other things that we really, really like. I mean, ultimately, is the Aeronauts for you – a recommendation for people because most people I suspect are not going to be able to see this on a big screen. They're going to be watching it streaming at home. Uh, We're weird. Where, like what do we do at that point? You know, is it still worth checking out?
3: I think so. I mean, it's definitely a film that I would say see on the largest screen possible if at all possible. <laughs> but I, yeah, I mean, this is definitely, I think a good it's worth seeing.
1: And I do think that like, yes, some of those action sequences are going to be diminished when you're not seeing it in the theater, but they still do a really decent job of, of getting you engaged. And, you know, this is an Amazon movie. I think it's going to be on the platform in like a week or so. So people are going to have an opportunity to check it out. And like we have said, it's a movie where it, the sum of it is less than the individual parts to it. But those individual parts are pretty thrilling, and it when you're watching those sections, you can sometimes then forget that you were kind of bored throughout most of the rest of the film. But like, there's good things about it. I I I'm very much in the middle on it, though. I'm not completely sold on a recommendation, but it's it's okay.
0: I, I think that if you're seeing it on a big big screen, and I think that if you really like the chemistry between Felicity Jones and Eddie Redmayne. I definitely think it's less so here than it was in something like The Theory of Everything. But, I mean, if you like these actors and if you're watching it on a pretty big enough screen, I don't know, if you have like 65-inch or something, whatever. But, uh, yeah, I would still say it's a recommendation. It's definitely got problems. I mean, you know, Himish Patel, who was, uh, you know, really, really charming in yesterday, I feel like gets absolutely nothing to do here. And that's like a disappointment. In fact, the entire supporting cast that are all um, layered throughout these uh, flashbacks, I feel like they do absolutely nothing in this as well, um, which is a, another disappointment. This really is the Felicity Jones, Eddie Redmayne technical crew show.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah, Another reason why I wish we had just sort of stayed in the balloon because all these supporting characters don't really add that much to the story anyway. We should be just invested in the relationship between the two of them. So let's just stick with them. Let's just have this be a movie about them and that's it.
0: I will also say too that even though I have issues with the film structure, its pacing, everything really, um, in regards to the way this film is like edited and told, um, I did like the um, visual. Um, uh, what's where I'm thinking of here? Like the visual cue that came up on screen that Harper used to show how high the balloon oh, yeah. had gotten.
3: That's the actual chart. Yeah. Um, of flight. Yeah.
0: I did. I did enjoy that a lot. I I thought that really helped uh, to give us a sense of where we were. Um, in terms of the the time it was taking, the journey, and so on and so forth, and it's kind of astounding too when you really think about the fact that this journey um, is so epic, and they go through so much, um, and it only takes place over the course of what a few hours. Yeah, it, not even you can
3: do this as a real time movie.
0: Yeah, you really, honestly, that would have, if they would have stayed in the basket, like Josh was saying, I, I think that I think that's entirely possible. That they could have done this like in two and a half hours or something like that, and just stayed in the basket the whole time.
1: Yeah, I think that would have been the stronger story.
0: Yeah. Well, in any event, uh, what grade? What are we doing here for grades here? Dan Bear,
3: I um, mm, I'm stuck between a six and a seven. I I think, but when it comes right down to it, I just really enjoyed the the technical elements of it. And I enjoyed Felicity Jones a whole lot. So I'm going to be a, probably more generous than I should and give it a seven.
0: Okay. All right. Uh, Josh Parham, what about yourself?
1: Well, I think I'm actually going to be a little bit harsher on it. I agree with you, Dan, that the texts and Felicity Jones are really excellent, but the story just really didn't do it for me. And honestly, that I wait a little bit more when judging a film, because I got to be invested in, something with the characters and with the story. And this just really struggled to get me into it. So despite some elements I did like, I'm very mixed on it still. And I'm going to give it a five out of 10.
0: And I'll go smack dab right in between the two of you. I'm leaning a little bit more positive because ultimately it was a really thrilling experience. And I really do give a lot of credit to Felicity Jones um, and the work that she put into this. And um, I think that's evident on screen. And ultimately, I, I can't say that I didn't fully enjoy it. Um, there are a lot of elements that I definitely enjoyed. So positives do outweigh the negatives here, although I still will admit that I'm, I'm I am a bit mixed. I'll, I'll go with a six on this one. In terms of its Oscar potential, um, it's interesting because, you know, before uh, this film premiered, uh, we all thought that this would be like an across-the-board contender for acting, directing, picture, and a lot of other things. Now it looks like we're just looking at this as a tech player. I'm really, really curious to know, based on your current Oscar predictions as of today, Josh Parham, Dan Baer, what do you guys have the Aeronauts predicted for?
3: I think it can get into visual effects.
0: Yeah, I could see that happening.
1: Yeah. I, I do actually have it in my lineup right now. I'm not completely sold, but you never know with that branch. Sometimes they may just really go for the very intricate details of those effects and I could see it sneaking in.
0: I'm trying to think what else because like it does seem to me that I mean now that you just said the thing, Dan, about like the makeup and hair, mm-hmm. uh as well and how that was actually real <laughs> um <laughs> I think I'm going to have to remove that from my makeup and hairstyling uh, predictions now at this point.
1: Well, you know, another place that I would say look out for is costume design.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Alexandra Byrne. Totally. Yep. Yep. Former Oscar winner. Who um, I actually conducted an interview with, and she got to speak about her work on this film a little bit more. I think the uses of color in this especially are incredibly striking. And one of the other things I also really, really liked was how – The characters' uh, outfits when they start in the balloon to how they look at the end really do tell um, a story, you know, onto themselves in terms of how much those clothes got uh, stripped away, if you will. And, um, you know, I think there's a lot of showy work there also it layered in the flashbacks. And, you know, it's a period drama at the end of the day. They love going for that stuff. Yeah,
3: and I would love it if it got in for production design too. I mean, they built that balloon. (laughs) That is true.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they really did build it for real. So that's pretty cool.
1: Production design seems like a little bit more of a stretch, but I could definitely see costume design happening. That would not shock me in the slightest.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think I'm looking I think I'm looking right now at costume design visual effects as its best play. Right now. Yeah, which I think
3: I actually have it currently predicted for those.
0: Yeah, I don't see it getting into cinematography. I don't see uh, Stephen Price's score anymore.
3: I would love that score to happen, though. Uh,
1: I really like that score. That score is so, so good. And I agree. I don't think it's going to happen, but it's such solid work. And Stephen Price is actually... You know, for a guy who actually won an Oscar, I feel like he's sort of underrated. Yes.
0: Like, not, Agreed. I
1: don't really feel like people really talk about his scores as much as they should. And he's so good. Like every single one of them, even for movies that aren't that great, his work is always exceptional in them.
0: I I, I definitely agree with you on that, that he's underrated. I think that like part of the issue there is that he hasn't come up with like anything. Um, while his scores are really good, I, I never get a sense of any memorable themes or anything of that sort. Plus, also, too, you got to look at some of the movies that he has done since his Oscar winning work on Gravity. You know, Suicide Squad, Baby Driver, Ophelia. Like, these are not movies that scream out to the world, you know, listen to my score for Oscar consideration, you know?
3: And also, like, there was a score in Baby Driver that wasn't all soundtrack.
0: (laughs) (laughs) His work on Fury is pretty good, though. Yeah, I
3: love Fury's score. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. And his work here
0: is pretty good, too. I I definitely think that he will have another uh, major Oscar contender at some point. I just don't think it's going to be this one. That's all.
1: No, it won't be this one, but he should because he definitely deserves it. Mm -hmm.
0: You know, one thing I was thinking about the other day that kind of like just crawled into my mind a little bit was, could you see a world where this got a stunt ensemble nomination?
3: (sighs) I was I was toying with that. Um, No, because there's really only uh, from what i heard at the q a last night it's only really one stunt person it was mostly felicity and eddie doing their own work except for the scene where she had to climb up the balloon where they used a stunt woman okay gotcha
1: well but there's the scene at the end you know there's some stunt work when the <laughs> oh yeah when the down. movie is,
3: is falling down yeah, yeah yeah um but i think it's when you're thinking of stunt ensemble i don't think this is because it's two people, you know, I mean, it's true. But remember when
1: Nocturnal Animals got nominated for stunt ensemble at SAG? Like, oh, weird things can happen.
3: Yeah, that's true. You're right.
0: <laughs> I, I'll admit I completely forgot about that until you I, just I brought know. it up.
3: I need to. <laughs> <'Cause> what? <laughs> that
0: is definitely a WTF.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Nomination.
1: I mean, the whole award season run for that movie, man, you could just do a whole podcast just on that.
0: (laughs) Oh, I'm sure I could. Absolutely. I plan to maybe one day. Uh, Just (laughs) why not? Right. (laughs) Because, yeah. Oh, my God. Anyway, don't want to get off on a tangent here. (laughs) Let's bring it back down the planet Earth from the sky, (laughs) shall we? All righty. So that'll pretty much do it here for our podcast review of the Aeronauts. Um, I guess because I didn't ask you guys final thoughts earlier, I might as well just ask it now. Um, Was there anything else you guys wanted to bring up or are we good?
3: Um, I'm pretty good I I would say that I would say that this should Be in contention for the sound Oscar slash Oscars Since we don't know what is happening with that But those I don't think it stands a chance really Because those categories in particular Are either big movies Or best picture movies And this is neither of those I think that's an interesting call
0: Um, I think that's interesting in the sense that it could show up as a lone sound nominee, maybe even. No. Then again, we don't know if there will be two categories or one category, so <laughs> there you go. <laughs> righty. Well, Josh Parham, where can I find you? On the internet.
3: You can find me on Twitter at JR Parham.
0: What about you, Dan? Where can I find you?
3: Find me on Twitter at DanceAndDanOnFilm. dan on film.
0: And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of the Aeronauts here on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, Player FM, 8Cast, CastBox, and also on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time.